You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Orange is a New Black podcast. I'm your host, Ace Boogie. My co-host, Zim Hude, is here as well. Zim, say what's up. How's it going, people? And we have a special guest on today, man. I was so glad that we were able to get him on. Uh, as you guys know, I'm at New Stripe City on YouTube. I had to bring on my man, Quincy, of Worst Take, um, to <laughs> give us the Browns insight, because I love hearing this dude talk about the Browns. We've been on several roundtables before with each other, so it was only right. Quincy, let them know where they can find your stuff, man. Hey, what is up, guys? Thank you for having me on. Um, yeah, you can find my stuff on YouTube. Just search Quincy Carrier, Q-U-I-N-C-Y-C-A-R-R-I-E-R. On the YouTube search bar, you'll see a bunch of videos I've put up. Um, you'll see a picture of me looking surprised. Hit the subscribe button next to that. Tons of great content for Browns fans. But also, if you're just a fan of NFL football, I talk about a lot of just general NFL football as well. We do it all. We have fun. Um, and I think I've put out a good product. So uh, check it out. Yeah, definitely check it out. But Zim, I know we're bringing him on because it's Browns week. So go ahead and ask this man some questions about the Cleveland Browns. Well, 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 Mr. Brown. Here we are. <laughs> I want to thank you again for coming on the show. Can you tell everybody where they can, um, you know, find you at, uh, whether it be on Twitter um, uh, I want you to plug that again, just so people oh, yeah. don't, you know, miss that. Oh yeah, uh, you can follow me on Instagram um, at worst underscore take um, on Twitter. I know it's all supposed to be uniform, but I I, I forgot to do it. Uh, on Twitter, you can follow me at Quincy K W E N underscore C, um, and then on YouTube again, this is my actual name, Quincy Carrier. It's the best way to find me on there. Is uh, some dude named B Souls who covers the NBA also has a series called Worst Take, and he's more popular than me, so don't search <laughs> Worst Take. <laughs> well, hopefully, after this time today, we will elevate you to the level and we will overtake this guy that I've never even heard of. So that's cool. Let's start right. off by this. I want to say that before we even begin this, before the season went, I was pretty much, I wasn't on the Super Bowl Brown train. And I'm still on the Browns train because of one guy named Baker, Baker, Baker Mayfield. To this day, I still stand behind Baker Mayfield. As we are at this point in the season, how do you feel about Baker Mayfield? Because, to me, it all starts with the quarterback. Do you feel like that's a a big proponent of your winning or losing? How do you feel about him overall? Overall, I feel like Baker Mayfield is playing like somebody who's going to be a good quarterback in the NFL. He's just in his second year. Um, and I think 
one of the mistakes that the Browns made, and I think a lot of people made, including myself, is that we thought that Baker Mayfield was going to be ready to make this Patrick Mahomes-level jump or this, you know, Lamar Jackson-level jump in year two. And he hasn't been able to do that. They've given him more responsibility. They've put a lot of stuff in his hands. And, you know, he's not ready or at that point in his career where he can overcome some of the things that he's had to overcome in order to be great in that way. Um, You know, so in that way, yes, he has disappointed. But, like, on to – but then it gets to a level – with a lot of people where they want to go and call him a bust or say say all kind of like wild things about him. And I just don't think that's true on that end either. I think Baker is going to be a very good quarterback. He's always, I think he's going to be, you know, anywhere from a top 10 to top five kind of fringe dude um, in the league. Um, and I think he's going to have a very long, good career in the NFL. Does he have some problems that I worry about? Of course, he can be streaky with his accuracy. Like when he's on, he is freakishly accurate, but sometimes he can just be head-scratchingly off target, and that drives you a little nuts sometimes. Yeah, his decision-making, he's going to be risky, but you knew that when you drafted Baker Mayfield. You know, you don't draft somebody who gets compared to Brett Favre and expect him to throw checkdowns all the time. So I don't get that criticism of him but you know the one thing I will say with Baker that I have noticed throughout um, his career and even in his early parts in NFL career that I do feel like it's going to become a bigger storyline next year in the years upcoming when he's playing better football with better teams and bigger moments is I have noticed and this is me speaking as a Browns fan that even at Oklahoma um he has not been that dude in the final drive like a Deshaun Watson or even like uh, Andrew Luck has. And I do worry about that deficiency getting in the way um, as he continues on. You know, now there are a lot of great quarterbacks who aren't really known for those great moments, but, you know, those are the, we do decide a lot about, well, you know, it's the difference between how we look at Phillip Rivers and Eli Manning in some people's eyes, which is like a Hall of Fame level difference. Between winning and losing, for sure. Yeah, and that that is something that I do worry about, and I do worry that it's going to become a legitimate talking point with Baker Mayfield in the future. But um, I do think he's going to be around and be a topic in this league for like the next 10, 15 years. For sure. And from my standpoint, I guess I'm I'm looking at it from the outside in and coming from where you guys were and then inserting Baker Mayfield into it now, I think the expectation level just rose to a, a whole new level. And mm. I think, for me, I'm a little bit more patient with the quarterback position in that regard, especially early on. So, to me, he's right where, where in line where, where I thought he probably would be. I thought he would probably get more production from some of the, the key spots around him maybe. Maybe mm-hmm. you could speak on that. Do you feel like they're they're properly utilizing OBJ? Do you think they're properly utilizing? One thing that they don't talk about too is the injury to Njoku was huge to me. Yeah, yeah. Nobody brings that up, right? Is <laughs> that David Njoku, the number one tight end, and the guy who was supposed to be? You know, I did a video in the off season saying that there were two things that could hold this offense back: the offensive line. And David Njoku not developing into a top 
tight end. I thought those are the two things that were going to hold this offense back, and those are the two things that have held this offense back. Um, if you look at what Kansas City does and how they overwhelmed folks when they had Sammy Watkins and and Ty and uh, I can't believe I'm blanking on his name, but he's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Tyreek Hill. Um, Tyreek Hill. But you know when they had them. Travis Kelsey was a huge part in that. Why, when you ever watch Chiefs games, Patrick Mahomes is never throwing into a tight window because that is the thing that puts the offense in the, over the tipping point. And, you know, David Njoku has not been out there. And I think that has been a huge thing because he's the only dude that's big enough also in that wide receiving core. When you have Jarvis Landry and Odell as your main two receivers, they're not big guys who can, you know, muscle in the end zone and complete some of these drives or get some of these tough first downs. You know, like, it's all the little stuff there that's really been hurting this offense. Yeah, and it's like, if you look at the big stuff, like the big picture overall, like, we can say how bad Odell Beckham is, but it's really a testament to how good his portfolio is is that this dude's going to break a 1,000 yards this season, and people are going to talk about him like he just, like like he was Randy Moss in Oakland. Um, like, you know, and it's like, what, when, then when we talk about Odell, we don't talk about some of the things that he brings just by being Odell um, that helped the offense. Like Jarvis Landry's going to have a career year this year. He's already at 919 yards, five touchdowns. Um, you know, he's finally getting recognized as one of the better wide receivers in the league. Well, he not finally, but he, he's getting more respect as one of the better wide receivers in the league. Um, and that's all because Odell gets him more open than he used to be. Because last year that wasn't the case with Jarvis. And then also you have to look at, like, look at what Saquon Barkley is doing in New York now without the presence of Odell Beckham. He's averaging 60 yards per game on the rushing game. Now he's injured. Some people are blaming his offensive line, which is wild because they won't give that excuse to the Cleveland Browns, even though we traded them our best offensive lineman. But that's a whole other topic for a whole other day. Um, and, and, and that's the thing that people bring up a lot to me is that they feel like you traded off the O-line to go with talent with OBJ, and that's what kind of led me to that question to say, like, okay, with that being in store, are you properly utilizing OBJ? Because him getting free uh, space, for other wide receivers, I do think it's really important. But do you think they're probably utilizing them with the scheme if you're going to trade away an offensive line that is that important to the offense originally? See, I don't think trading Kevin Zeitler was as big as a deal as people want it to be. Because, like, yeah, the problem with the Browns is the offensive line. And, sure, our replacement for Kevin Zeitler is not great. Um, but our real problem has been we just haven't been able to have consistent tackle play at the right tackle position more than it has been with the right guard. Like, if you watch the Browns, a lot of what you see is just pass rushers blowing past the right tackle and sandwiching in on Baker Mayfield, forcing him to either cut the field in half and run to his right or left, um, or having to rush a throw and it gets tipped at the line of scrimmage and, like, intercepted or something. Like, that. those are the things that are killing the Browns, honestly. And, you know, like, keeping Kevin Zeitler, like, Sure, would have made a smaller difference, yeah, but, like, you know, how much of a difference could he make? Your running back has over 12,000, almost 1,200 yards on the season in week 14, you know. Like, 
that's really what Kevin Zeitler was really good at was the run game, run blocking, and it's not really affected that because OBJ kind of takes a lot of the attention and makes it impossible to stack the box, especially when you have Jarvis Landry on the other side. So, like, that that's really where that area of the game would be affected the most. And, you know, no Kevin Zeitler being there has not been where that impact has. It's been the tackles. John Dorsey didn't value that position enough in free agency to put some money there or draft somebody. And that's what's bit us in the ass this whole season. And I think that moving forward, I feel like that's one of the things that might hinder some of the the progression along with the actual – I look at – I do pay attention to you guys because if you do go into a new direction, which kind of leads me to my next question, is if Kitchens or or any of the coordinators out there, then Baker will be on his fourth old coordinator. And to mm-hmm. me, those things aren't taken into account. But overall, like when Ace contacted me last week and we talked on the show and we had a discussion about it, he walked away from it saying, yeah, their offensive line is trash. Mm-hmm. That was that was the number one thing that he said to me. And so moving forward, it's hard to pay these guys that you guys have and still fix the line at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I just – I think um... – they need to probably just draft some linemen. I think that would be, like, the short-term solution. Like, that's <laughs> we'll what you could do under that. the cap. <laughs> <laughs> we'll <laughs> we'll you, be, you better hit. Cause yeah. Right, you right. You will be sitting there looking like, whoa. Looking crazy. Like, I, I totally agree with what Quincy is saying, though, about Kevin Zeitler because it's almost crazy because, like, them, we come from, like, a similar situation where – we kind of had the same issue, right? Like, when we had Cedric O'Boyhe and we had John Ross and all of these guys, like, everybody was going crazy because it was like, oh, we got A.J. Green, John Ross, Joe Mixon, like, Tyler Eifert, who's going to stop these guys? And who ended up stopping us was the offensive line. And I can completely agree with Quincy about Zeitler. Like, I remember a lot of our fans being like, oh, we should have never let Witt and Zeitler go. I definitely felt the Witt thing. I didn't feel the Zeitler thing because when we had Zeitler there, like the offensive line was still bad that last year Zeitler was was there or whatever because right next to him was Cedric Obwehi. So I can Mm. definitely sympathize with Quincy because Cedric Obwehi was complete garbage. So it didn't matter whether Kevin Zeitler was next to him or not. Like those DNs, like you said, were just killing him off of the edge every single play. So I think when they traded him – yeah, I think when they traded Kevin Zeitler, I didn't I didn't think that that was bad for them because I think, like Quincy said, I think their issues are the tackles. And the reason that I said that the that the uh, offensive line looked trash to me is exactly what he said. I was watching that Pittsburgh game. I actually put some money on the Browns, so I'm like, all right, I'm going to put the money on the Browns here. And then I just saw, like, that Steelers, those Steelers defensive ends and pass rushers like Bud Dupree and T.J. White. They're no joke, like, they're they're no joke this year. Yeah, there's no joke. I have to get on their props. Like, the Steelers definitely got better on defense. But I saw exactly what Quincy said because I was like, man, I'm just sitting there waiting for Baker to, like, take over, waiting for OBJ to take over. And it's like as soon as he's taking snaps in the shotgun, it's like these defensive ends are in his face. So I could definitely relate to what he was saying there. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home you need a tool to get the most out of your time away that's where viator steps in you can book guided tours activities excursions and more in one place 
to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, it's like if you, whenever they give Baker time, Dallas, like even in the Pittsburgh game, like when they gave him time, he was able to set his feet and make a throw. He was actually pretty good in that game. It just is, there's so many times where he got flushed out, he got forced out, or, you know, there's, there's so much, so much bad you, offensive line play for the tackle. You know who you sound like right now? You sound like Dalton lovers all over the world right now. Because <laughs> I'm going to tell you this. Early on, you can say that. But if you, if you find yourself, I'm just giving you a mental note right now. If you find yourself saying that a year or two from now, you got a problem. Because early yeah. on, that was a thing where I was saying that too, making it like, I'm not even going to call it making excuses. I'm just telling you what I saw. But then he got shell shot. Two years, three years later, He's saying ghosts and he's got these stuttering feet. You know how you're saying, like, yeah, sometimes he comes up there a little inaccurate. That's exactly what Dalton does. That adrenaline gets to pumping. He's thinking stuff is there. He's overthrowing, underthrowing, mainly underthrowing. But he goes through these different motions. But it didn't happen until a couple years of bad offensive line play. But early on, he had good offensive lines. Baker had an O-line last year as well. And I, that's why I said, what, what do you think? Somebody's going to have to go, I think, moving forward. Somebody's not going to be there that you think. Because free agency will offer the line to me, based on the last five years of being a Bengals fan, I just don't have any faith in the draft with O-line because it's 
it's almost like a lost art. And all of these college teams get into these spread offenses, when they get to the NFL, it's really hard to hit on those guys unless mm-hmm. they're just right in your face like Mike McGlinchey. So you got to go get that money and, like, spend it in O-line play. And that's the that's one of the biggest detriments of the Bengals in the last couple of years is that they were cheap in free agency. They didn't go out and get any O-line. They drafted really, really high on their O-linemen. Even uh, last year with the first-round draft, they Billy Price, and they didn't hit. And it set you back. And so now we're sitting here with all these weapons. I would argue that we have more weapons than you if you combine all of these guys. But it didn't mean anything because you got a quarterback that's now shell shot, and then you got an offensive line that is below average. Mm. Yeah. So moving forward. Oh, go ahead. I know. You go ahead. I was going to say, moving forward, what are some things that you think standing out that you think can improve? Do you think that you have a shot, maybe an outside shot? Because I do think you guys do have the chance to handle business coming up this Sunday. But do you think you have any outside shot at making the playoffs? And then moving forward, if you don't make the playoffs, if you are the GM, you are on the clock, what is your plan? I mean, like, yeah, so the playoffs are a possibility till they're technically not. That's kind of how I rotate, roll with that. But, like, I think, you know, winning in Pittsburgh last week would have gave the Browns to have, you know, a small opportunity to have their destiny in their own hand. Like, essentially, they would have just had to win every game of their end. That would have been tough, but that would have been, you know, a very tangible road to the playoffs. Now you got to hope for other things to happen in order for you to get in and in different tiebreakers. Mm-hmm. And it comes, it becomes almost impossible to project at this point. But if you're the Browns, there's really no point in losing at this point. So, you know, it's it's pretty much just keep winning. Um, and, and, and finish let it carry on to the next year, right? Yeah. Finish 9-7 and seven and see where you are at the end of the day. Um, if that gets you into the playoffs, it's great. You know, try to so win the game. you're winning out. You're going to win out. Is there, are we getting that live here on the, on the podcast? Or is it the new black Quincy is saying that you're going to win out? I don't know, man. I, I, I don't trust <laughs> this. I don't trust this coaching staff yet uh, to beat. The Ravens at full Raven because like that we beat them in Week Four in Baltimore, but like they wasn't they wasn't full like this. They wasn't going like they are going now. But I don't know. They could slow down by Week Sixteen. Like I think I, I think the Ravens gotta have hit some kind of peak at some point. Like they beat good teams by like fifty. Like I don't know how much better football you can play than that. But you know that that. That, that Maybe. You can't stop them. It, it's gotta be. It's gotta be a game where they're having bad weather, and it's gotta. In, in which they just had, it's gotta be a bad weather game where you, now you're limiting them to just running, and then you gotta. Ha- you gotta be able to do something like turnovers or special teams because time of possession, they're gonna control that every single game that they have. So when your offense is out there, you cannot go three and out with the Ravens. That is one thing that you cannot do. Yeah, and I think. I think the one, like, the Browns beat them earlier. I think the one thing you can take away from that is, one, like, having a Miles Garrett-type dude probably helps. Um, and we're not going to have Miles Garrett for the game. But also, um, like, I do I'm not think... I'm Miles Garrett today. I'm not doing that conversation today. I'm so worn out. <laughs> oh, I'm not, I got I to gotta hear some of that. I got to uh, hear some of that. 
But hold on, like Ace, like I was so mad. Me and Ace, I, I went, I, I had this episode. Where I went on this crazy rant because I was so angry that the narrative on the game was Miles Garrett, right? And the narrative on that game is that you guys dominated the Steelers. So when I go to sleep and I'm waking up, I'm thinking everybody's gonna be saying the Steelers are trash. But all we're talking about is a stupid helmet. I cannot get over that to this day. I'm like, why is it when the Steelers lose? The narrative is like something that had nothing to do with the game, but if they it's win, it's crazy, right? You see nothing oh, but highlights from the, I cannot stand that. That like drove me insane. It is crazy, right? How like would the Steelers lose? Nobody like the Steelers guys. The they, they control the media, bro. Like I'm, I'm that, that's that's the thing that drove me nuts with it was that like before that you game, be up. I you should be waking up as a Browns fan saying like we killed these guys, right? But yeah. you're waking up talking about Miles Garrett. It's a travesty. Like, he could have killed like, somebody. It's like, okay, yeah. we're going there. All right, buddy. Well, they, I mean, what's his name? Rudolph could have killed somebody grabbing balls like that. Yeah. You, you're, you're hurt. Rudolph you're almost good. killed both his wide receivers in that game. Legitimately. Yeah. He threw a ball that got somebody hit so hard. They had blood bleeding out their ear. Okay. Yeah, that was crazy. I thought yeah. that. But it, it's, it's like, it's crazy how, like, you know, before that game, people were like, oh, my God. Like, you guys heard all the hype about the Steelers' defense. They got two defensive player of the year candidates on that defense, right? Two defensive player of the year candidates. Even though the San Francisco 49ers might be the best defense I've seen in the last decade, they only got one defensive player of the year candidate. They got two, though, on Pittsburgh. Okay. Uh, Baker gets three touchdowns on him, no interceptions. Everybody told me that Mika Fitzpatrick and and T.J. Watt were going to get all this this crap that the Steelers fans say. And it didn't happen. And after that game, nobody talks about it. And then when they do, they go, well, we didn't think the Steelers are good. Like, you just told me y'all had two defensive players of the year. Y'all told me y'all was the 2,000 Ravens defense. But y'all got beat. And then they win the one game at home in Pittsburgh, and then they're like, see, same old Browns. Like, y'all still split the series, baby? Like, <laughs> just, to wake up, just to wake up to some 12-year-old telling you about six rings. Yeah, six rings. Like, okay. Like, no, but there's always some little kids. Ace, let me ask you this. Let's, let's talk about the game just a little bit. Ace, mm-hmm. what do you have um, – what do you think are some things that we could um, highlight for Quincy, as far as, like, your expectations for Sunday, who do you think that the Browns should be worried about? Is there anybody from the Browns that you think that the Bengals just don't have an answer for? Oh, I mean, I think if we if we start off looking at the Browns, um, I've been a huge Jarvis Landry fan before he was, he was even in Cleveland. Um, I think that he's going to be a problem for our linebackers. Um, he's definitely a guy that I look for. Um, or as a threat, I think you also talk about the emergence of Kareem Hunt coming back now with Nick Chubb, mm-hmm. two great running backs. Obviously, our weakness is linebacker. Um, seeing if we can actually stop those guys is going to be, you know, monumental. I think. Um, outside of that, I think them losing Miles Garrett is going to bode well for us, especially with us having Cordy Glenn back. Um, John Ross, I think, is going to be a problem. Um, a lot of people kind of forgot about John Ross, but like he was really exploding earlier in the year until mm-hmm. he had his chest injury. And unfortunately, the red rifle is back, as we know. And with him, having, <laughs> him having John Ross, him having Auden Tate and Tyler Bloyd, I think a lot of people kind of overlook the Bengals receiving core because we don't have AJ Green, but it's talented. Man, like, man I love that. That's, that's the strong point. Like, Auden Tate is like. Strong. 
a crazy like circus catching dude or whatever. You combine that with John Ross, so I think they'll have to worry about that. Uh, Joe Mixon, he's kind of finding his way here. Like obviously the offensive line has kind of hurt us, but like I said, with Cordy Glenn being back, that kind of helps us. I think that this is like if you were to ask me two weeks ago, I would I would have told you that the Browns were going to sweep us. But once they decided to make the decision to bench Ryan Finley, throw Dalton back in there, and the fact that they've made, like, some adjustments, especially the defensive coordinator, Lou Anarumu, I think that um, we're going to actually be a little bit better. And I think that the Browns should also watch out for our defensive line that's finally starting to pick up some steam here. The last three weeks, Carl Lawson is coming back, which that's been huge. And I'm kicking myself in the face because I was criticizing Carl Lawson earlier this year on the podcast. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He's just murdering people right now. And then Carlos Dunlap is coming off of a three-sack game. 11 pressures in the last three games. Yeah, so this this defensive line. I mean, I'm sorry, 11 pressures just last week. I think that this this bodes this bodes well for us, and then the, the X factor I think really just from watching the Pittsburgh and Browns game is that I noticed that Baker had the injury where you know one of the Steelers guys hit his hand on that. I'm not sure like what that's gonna do. Like if somebody ends up sacking them and hurting that hand, I don't know what that means for the Browns. So I think from that standpoint, it just seemed to me like when I was watching that game on the last like the last uh, drive that the Steelers had, right? To me, the Browns were still in it, but, like, they panned to, like, the sideline, and they kind of showed Baker Mayfield and the guys, and they didn't even seem like, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, Quincy, but it didn't seem like they had that energy that was like, we're going to go out and win. It just kind of seemed like they were kind of frustrated. So I don't know if that means that they have, in a sense, not not necessarily given up, but it's like I wanted to see that energy from them and I didn't see it. And, like, if I compare energies between what I saw with the Bengals last week, because I've seen that energy before. We've seen it plenty this season being 0-11. But mm-hmm. it seems like the energies are kind of switched um, as well. So I think that that could bode well for us. But I don't know. that if I, had to, if I had to say right now, I think out of these next two games between the Bengals and the Browns, I would say that it, was, it would be split. Whereas if you would have asked me two weeks ago, I would have said the Browns would have swept this. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think it's closer to that. Uh, I, I think um, if the Browns have the same issues with their offensive line, which they shouldn't because they're getting Greg Robinson. I don't even know if they're getting Greg Robinson back this week because he was in concussion protocol, so it might be just the same uh, mess on the offensive that. line. And I think uh, you talked about how the, they, the, the offense looked depleted or on the sideline. Let me, let me tell you why, because they was watching that defensive line get absolutely – zero penetration last week. And there's no excuse why they were that terrible against the Steelers' offensive line last week. The Browns have one sack and two tackles for loss last week. That's like a normal Nick Bosa day. Like, that's the whole defense. Everybody that was, in that. That was the Bengals for the whole season. <laughs> they were just getting pushed around. And it's like, that, that stuff's deflating when you can't, get to somebody and you're allowing somebody like Duck to have a decent day because your defensive line is just inept. Like they, and they, they shouldn't be because they have Sheldon Richardson. They have Olivier Vernon. Like I know Miles Garrett isn't there, but, right. you know, Larry Ogunjobi, those are three guys who are supposed to be decent. And it's just like they're, they're, they're playing all like complete scrubs out there. Um, half the game they didn't even have 
half the starters who aren't even half the starters in on defensive line. And it was just it was just it was just mind boggling how how that game folded out. Because I you know, one of the things I think happens a lot with like Twitter is like thir- certain things become cool to like hate on and like, you know, it's like oh it's funny to like make jokes about whatever. Like I'm pretty sure like you saw this with the Bengals. Like people thought it was like funny to like mess with the Bengals and not really look at the situation fairly, just like just trash things just yeah, because yeah, it's the mangoes or whatever. Right. And, you know, it's because it's cool to hate on that. And it's like yeah, right now yeah. it's cool to hate on Baker. It's cool to hate on Freddie Kitchens. And I get where both of those things come from because they both done things that make you go like, yeah, you don't make it easy on yourself, especially with Baker, less with Freddie. People just make fun of Freddie because he's southern and fat, which is stupid to me. But, you know, like – with Baker, like yeah, Baker Baker gets in there. Baker replies to his mentions on Twitter. Like Baker, you know, he kind of gets he kind of gets back the same energy he puts out sometimes. That that is what it is. But you know, yeah, the press conferences, like you know, he he be out there sometimes, and you know, you just gotta live with that. It's like having Marcus Peters on your team. Uh, but I tell you, like coming up this week though, if Greg Robinson isn't there. It, that that is a problem. I, I think you're going to see. And Ace, you had brought up the running game in this whole mm-hmm. thing. If if the Browns are watching anything at all that we watched uh, the last three weeks, when teams run to the middle of the field, which I think the Browns probably will, if they're running off tackle in, in between the tackles, it doesn't bode well because Andrew Billings and Geno Atkins and Josh Tupo. Are, are, are a hefty load that is hard to do it. The way to beat the Bengals <laughs> is to go outside. If right, they go cross plays, if they go to the boundaries, the linebacking core for the Bengals do not have an answer at all. And one thing that I have observed also from the Browns this past week is I don't know if Wilkes is coaching the corners to do this, but Greedy does not look like what I thought he what he was in college, and Denzel isn't. He's like almost coaching them, almost like he's telling them to play the, the the jersey number and not play the ball. So they were really, really late on a lot of those plays, getting their head around when the ball is there. If that happens, Dalton is the king of throwing it when he sees your head is not turning it. His seam pattern to Eifert is, I think, is probably one of the most stolen plays in the NFL. Like it's just this one thing where he just catches into the scene where he throws it. Uh if your linebacker has their head turned or whatever, he's just gonna throw it right there. Eifert's gonna go over top of him. Auto Tate's gonna go over top of him and AJ Green did it for a damn near a decade. So those are the two things that I will watch for. If they play the ball, they can pick Dalton off. They can have success. There's a lot of different things that you can exploit from the Bengals team. But I will tell you that the defensive front has been playing a whole lot better and they are going they're fully healthy and they're ferocious. So if you're saying Greg Robinson is in concussion protocol, that is one thing I would check out and I would look for because Carlos Dunlap has been on a tear and he's actually been named the AFC player of the week this past week. That'd be interesting. Um, as far as like with the Browns run game, um, you said like, you don't, the, the boundaries are your weak spot in the run game. Yep. That's the only place that the Browns run the ball with Nick Chubb. So that might be a problem this week. Cool. They don't, because the Browns don't – yeah, because the way the Browns – because, like, I, I hear this from Browns fans. They're like, why don't we run it up the middle more? But if you watch a lot of Nick Chubb, and I don't know, you might have watched him a lot at Georgia, but he's his best when he's able to go and then cut downfield. 
And, and for him running up the middle, it's really not what he's going to do. But I don't know. Our coaching staff might just decide this is the week to run up the middle uh, for no reason. Okay, <laughs> um, so let's do this. Let's, let's get our final scores together. I want to start with you, Quincy. What do you got coming up Sunday, 1 o'clock? What's the score, Browns, Bengals, who wins? Let's hear it. I think it's going to be a shootout. Shootout, um, okay. I think both teams are going to put up a good amount of points. And I think I'm trying to make sure the score makes sense. But this is the first score that just popped up in my head. 36-31, and I do oh, think wow. the Browns are going to win. I would Man. love to see. I would love to see 31 from us in a league. <laughs> right. I, would, I, would, I would love I would to run see 24. To, I, would <laughs> I would love to see 24 because we haven't seen it this <laughs> We don't score. We don't score. Our defense is legit right now. I promise you, but we do not score. And one thing that you were saying earlier that caught my attention is a lot of Browns fans are going to look at the defense when they give up points or whatever. But if they're not giving up more than 17 points, I'm going to be looking at the offense like, why don't you give me 21-24? Yeah. So that hasn't happened yet. So we're, we're we're waiting for that. Ace, what you got? Man, uh, like I said, man, we haven't scored 24 points this whole season. Uh, but the X factor, I think, could be John Ross. Like, I think the last time we've actually put up some points has been because of him. Um, I'm going to say, based off, I'm I'm thinking that I'm going to probably bank on Baker Mayfield's thumb being an issue in this game because, for me, I feel like it could be one Carlos Dunlap sack off of the edge that could possibly have them sit him out of this game. I still think, though, that this game is going to be close. So I'm going to go with – I'm going to go with uh, Bengals 27, Browns 24. Mm, okay. I'm going to go really close to that, too. I'm going to say Browns 24, Bengals 17. We're taking for Burrow, if you didn't know, Quincy. And so we got a large – Not Chase Young? That's actually – that's that's my question for you, <laughs> Not Chase Young. We're, we're trying to get our Baker Mayfield. Sorry. That's not, my last question for you, Quincy. Show. We're not doing that on this show. Yes, like, yes, yes. We have to. We, we have to do it on this one. Okay, you come from a standpoint where you guys – uh, passed on a quarterback, right, in 2017. You took Miles Garrett overtaking the quarterback, right? Now, obviously, it kind of it kind of worked out for you guys because you went 0-16 the ne- basically the next season, got the number one pick, was able to get oh, yeah. Baker Mayfield. We, we are it. thinking, like, we come from the school of thought that the Bengals aren't going to go 0-16 because somehow they'll figure out how to go, like, 7-9, and 6 and whatever. So we won't have a shot that next year if we do take Chase Young to get that quarterback. But if you were in the Bengals' shoes, being that you come from a similar standpoint, right, mm-hmm. do you really think, like, it's obvious that the Bengals need a quarterback. Do you really think that picking Chase Young over a quarterback that they need that could be something that could do what Baker has done for you guys, do you think that that's the right pick? Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, if you think, if you think Joe Burrow – if you think Joe Burrow is going to be a franchise quarterback and you're convinced, you got to take Joe Burrow. Like that, my thing with a franchise quarterback is just like when you draft that dude. Like I've seen the Browns draft dudes that like nobody was sold. Like half the front office was sold on. Like if the Bengals are sold on Joe Burrow, 
then they got to draft Joe Burrow. Or if they're sold on Tua, well, Tua's hurt. But if they're sold on anybody, they got to do it at that point. You got to pull the trigger on that. That's why in, like, what, that was 2017, the Browns did that. You know, and, like, this is why I'm not as critical about when teams miss quarterbacks as other people are is because, like, you know, if the Browns would have drafted Deshaun Watson, like, half of the front office didn't believe in Deshaun Watson. So, like, then what what would the Browns have gotten? You know, like, you need to really be able to commit. Like, the reason the Texans are doing what they can do with Deshaun Watson is they traded up with the Browns at 12 to get Deshaun Watson. You know, the Chiefs traded up to get their guy in Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, sometimes that works out. You make you take that bet on the right guy. Sometimes it doesn't. But you got to take the full bet, and you got to have everybody behind it. Uh, now, the year Miles Garrett went number one, the Browns did that. Um, you know, at that point when the Browns did that, you have to remember that year, there was no, like, clear-cut number one who was, quarterback. Who was the first quarterback drafted that year? It was what? Was it Mitchell Mr. Trubisky that year? It was okay, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Mitchell Trubisky. That's a big difference. Joe Burrow is smashing every record known to man right now. And Mitchell Trubisky, or say say Daniel Jones was on the clock or something. Yeah, I'd be talking to Chase Jones. Joe Burrow is not that. I, 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 see, I see what you're saying. Think about this. Whenever somebody tries to tell you that they know exactly what quarterback's going to be great in the future, Mitchell Trubisky went to in that draft. Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson went after him. Yeah, and it wasn't even a big deal at the moment. <laughs> you know, but nobody saw that one coming. I honestly thought Deshaun. I would have been okay if they would have picked Deshaun Watson number one overall that year. I, I was I on was that train. That. Yeah, I thought Deshaun Watson was that dude at the Washington and Clemson. And I don't even like Clemson football, but I like right. Deshaun Watson because I was like, nah, that dude's a baller. Yeah, and his resume, that was weird to me that year because his resume was, like, impeccable. Like, dude went to the championship two years in a row, balled out two for 500 yards against Alabama two years in a row. I mean, they're like an NFL, basically, NFL junior defense. So, to me, I was kind of scratching my head there. I'm going to do one of these things where, like, I ain't got to say it, but if you know what I'm talking about, you're going to know what I'm talking about. Ain't it crazy that Trevor Lawrence only beat Alabama once and they already talk about him as the number one overall pick, but look at Deshaun Watson's record. And he got picked 12th. Right. I ain't got to say nothing after that. We all know what that is. Right. <laughs> good, good close out right there. Quincy, tell everybody where they can find you at. Thank you so much for coming on Orange is the New uh, Black Podcast, but let them know where they can find you at again. All right, no problem. Uh, you guys can find me on YouTube, Quincy Carrier, Q-U-I-N-C-Y-C-A-R-R-I-E-R. Find me on Twitter, Quincy, K-W-E-N underscore C. Find me on Instagram at worst underscore take. Um, you know, there I just I just kind of talk football, kind of goof around sometimes, you know, uh, like to like to do the whole thing during the season. Got a new video out this week about how we're – how uh, the media is kind of terrible at evaluating quarterbacks. Check it out. It's NFL team friendly, all the stuff there. So, uh, everybody, thank you all for having me on and uh, check it out. Yeah, all right, there, bro. Yeah, no hey, problem. got any closing marks before we sign off today? Orange is the new black, black podcast. Not at all. Let's get it. Who they? Who they? <laughs> Good luck. Oh. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. 
Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. From data privacy to the future of TV, retail media, and beyond, the world of digital marketing is constantly in flux. So how can you keep up? Well, The Current Report is there for you. Each week, marketing leaders on the cutting edge give you the latest insight. So if it's creating a buzz, they'll be talking about it. Subscribe to The Current Report wherever you get your podcasts.